All right, let's try that again, sorry. Welcome, especially welcome to those who are gathering online, and now you can hear me. But uh, it's good to be here and gather in God's presence on Easter, so happy Easter to all of you. I have a couple of announcements to share as we begin. Uh, one is that uh, there's no children's worship today, and the children are welcome to stay in the service. It's great to have them. Um, if, if someone needs to get up and take a break, there's a door in the back here that leads to the basement, and there is a, a TV down there with the service going, and there's space to move around. So feel free to use that, or if you just get tired of me talking, you can you know, feel free to do that as, whenever you need to. You know? <laughs> so that's one note. Also, just want to mention that there is an egg hunt after the service, and everyone is invited, even the adults, I guess, if you, uh, you, know, don't, if you want to go out and grab an egg or two. But... Melinda has kindly set eggs up. She's already hidden them, and so after the service, um, they're all, all the kids are welcome to participate. They can just go out to the front of the church, and Melinda will be there to meet them. Also, one last thing that we are participating in the sacrament of communion uh, today. It's a chance for us to remember that Jesus not only overcame death, but invited us into his family, those who are risen with him, that sin and death no longer has the final word in our life. So God has called us. Let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come in worship. I invite you to stand with me that we can join together in our call to worship. This is the good news. The grave is empty. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. This is the good news. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never put it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.
Let us pray. Gracious God of life, Father of the risen Christ, and in whose resurrection we find new life, all glory, honor, and power belong to you, O God of the living. For on this day you won victory over death, raising Christ from the grave and giving us eternal life that can only be found in your presence. You have swallowed up death forever, and you have wiped away our tears. We come this morning to give you thanks for the hope we have in Jesus, who died but is risen and rules over heaven and earth. We thank you for his presence with us by your spirit. Because he lives, we know with confidence and boldness that nothing past, present, or future can separate us from your great love in Christ Jesus. Almighty God, in raising Jesus, you shattered the power of sin and death. You show us a new way of life filled with trust and obedience in the risen King. Yet we acknowledge that resurrection life does not often manifest itself in our words and actions. We remain stuck in our doubts and fears. We overlook the poor, hungry, oppressed, and those who, we, who are grieving, we overlook. We are deaf to the cries of justice and indifferent to the call for peace. We seek to find life anyone, anywhere else apart from you, Lord Christ, the source of resurrection life. Help us to trust in your life-giving power to change our lives and make us new. Lord God, be merciful to us. This past year has been marked by death, violence, and hatred. It has burdened our souls and overwhelmed us. We plead with you this morning for the renewed power of the resurrection to be poured out upon your people gathered here. May we love and care for our neighbors out of your resurrection love. May we speak power, may we speak to power and authority with the same resurrection boldness of the apostles and those who have come before us. May we out of the ashes and distress of this past year not be paralyzed by the death and the violence and the hatred that we have seen, but moved by the power of the resurrection to respond in love and truth. Come to us, we pray, by your risen, life-giving power and make us glad in your presence this day and all of our days. Breathe your Holy Spirit into our hearts that we may receive anew your grace and truth revealed to us in the living Christ. O oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? But by the mighty resurrection of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, death has been defeated and crushed. We join our voices with the universal church, proclaiming this good news. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, Alleluia, alleluia, amen. We turn now to our time of confession. And in this time, we actually remember our first confession all the way back in the garden a time when our confession was filled up with a lot of guilt and shame and being cast out. But our resurrection confession is different. God draws us back in to acknowledge with him our need to be his sons and daughters, filled up 
with newness and life again. So let's come and we'll come together as a church and then have a time of personal quiet confession. We know God's amazing love in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. We know hope in this. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Please take a moment of quiet personal confession. Lord, we are thankful that, that sin and death and evil no longer have reign in this world. That in Christ there is freedom, there's redemption, there is new life. And Lord, of course, we turn to you in faith and repentance, knowing that you are the one who brings us life and leads us into fullness and wholeness. Uh, we give thanks and joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's hear the words of assurance. Let's stand together and hear the words of assurance in Romans chapter 8. And feel free to join along. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You may be seated. morning. Uh, this is the reading from the Old Testament from Isaiah chapter 25 verses 6 through 9. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God, we have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord we have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. 
and from the New Testament, from Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, the resurrection. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Vince, for reading. It's good to be here and to worship and have a chance to look at God's word together. We're going to look at a passage from 1 Corinthians 15. And This passage is from a letter that was written about 20 years after that first Easter morning. It was written to a church in the city of Corinth, some 800 miles away from Jerusalem and from that empty tomb. In the letter, Paul calls his brothers and sisters to remember. I think it's fitting for us this morning, it's fitting for me, many miles, many years from that first Easter morning, because we too are called to remember, to remember. So let's look at our passage from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 11. You can follow in your order or just listen as I read. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain." On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. 
whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. This is God's word given for our good. As we look at our passage and think about the resurrection this morning, I want to take a moment to think about the idea of remembering, and then look at two truths that Paul calls us to remember. So let's start by even thinking about the idea of remembering. Where did I put my keys? Where did I leave my phone? Don't forget to pay the bills or complete your assignments on time. It's really important to me that you remember my birthday or anniversary. Maybe you can relate to some of those things. Maybe you've said them. This is one way of thinking about remembering. But it can mean something more than holding information or about timely actions. Think about some other things that we say. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. Remember where you came from. Remember what really matters. You see, such remembering is what our passage is thinking of. Such remembering is a remembering that forms us, that shapes us, or maybe even calls us back and restores our identity or a sense of hope and direction. It's this type of remembering that leads the scriptures to link remembering with faith. What words come to your mind? What things do you draw from to tell you who you are? Do I hold who I am in Christ? Do I recall God's words or actions? Remember. But all of us forget at times. All of us forget, especially in difficult circumstances, in times of loss or isolation or uncertainty, especially when there are many different voices telling us about who we are or what we should be doing or about what things matter. We all need to be reminded day by day or even moment to moment. We need a word or a face or an encouragement to tell us the truth and to call us back. And our passage offers such a care to remind us, to give us truths to hold. And in particular, it gives us two different truths to hold. Paul writes, I remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel which you received. And also he goes on to say, I remind you that God's grace is not in vain. I want to spend the rest of our time looking at those two truths to hold, to to hold into our hearts. First being to remember what you have received. Hold, keep in mind the gospel, the good news. And to this end, Paul then goes off and explains the gospel again in four statements, four historic events. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Christ was buried. Christ was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And Christ in his risen body appeared to many of the brothers and sisters. I have an early memory from when I was in kindergarten. I remember that we had a school play. We put on the story of Peter Rabbit in Mr. McGregor's garden. Maybe you know that story. 
What I recall in my mind was I was wearing green pants and a brightly striped shirt. And all the students in my class, we had all made hats that had very large bunny ears coming out the top. What I remember of that play is I hopped out, literally I hopped out to the front of the stage with one of my classmates, and we said our one line together. I can't remember what that line was, but I can remember <laughs> the event. The one line in my whole acting career, and I have forgotten it. Well, if you can picture that, maybe you have maybe memories similar. I mention that because the idea of speaking of our lines, that when we hear Paul describe the gospel in these four ways, it's possible that we could think, okay, here's the gospel, but what lines belong to us? Where are my, where are my lines? It references our sin. It references that men and women witnessed Jesus. But the lines and the actions, they all belong to God. Early morning, women carrying burial spices, the large stone rolled away, burial linens neatly folded and laying in the tomb, a shining angel. The first Easter morning offers numerous details, but one of the details of the story I find fascinating and one that we could possibly miss is that all the humans that are present remain speechless. All the humans that are present remain speechless. They have no lines to give. The guards faint. The women look and listen. Peter and John, they see but do not understand. But the angel, the angel who represents God in God's presence, the angel speaks. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Why do you seek the living among the dead. The tomb is the ultimate place of human limitation. And part of thinking of Easter, part of remembering, is that with sorrow and with anger and with pain, we might ask, what can we say or what can we do in such a place? What can we do what can we say here? Paul invites us to remember the gospel. Remember that it's fundamentally an announcement about God's actions, not ours. An announcement about God's word, not ours. It's not a combination of human engagement with God. It does not rest upon your involvement, your agreement, your work but rather it is the work and accomplishment of God, the one who can act and who speaks in the face of sin and death. You see, the four truths tell the story of God lovingly moving into the world, lovingly moving towards you. It tells the story that God in Christ came to identify with our sin, and he came to bear the world's rejection. Remember, he was crushed, judged a criminal, executed by the political and governmental authorities of his day. And the followers of Jesus knew, like all of us know, that a crucified man, one buried for three days, does not rise to new life. That that tomb, in which we have nothing to say or do, that tomb is the place of sorrow where things come 
to an end. Yet the gospel we are called to remember says that the buried one has become the raised one. The Lord has become the one of new beginnings and of new creation. And we are invited to remember, remember the gospel, remember God's actions, remember what you have received and hold them into who you are. I remind you, brothers and sisters, God's grace is not in vain. We were reminded of the gospel that we received, but now we're also reminded that God's grace is not in vain. It's not useless. Or to say this another way, do not forget. Do not forget the sure hope that you have been given. The gospel doesn't depend on our lines or our actions, but it is good news for us. Jesus, the decisive action of God in the world, entered death and rose as our representative. And to give witness to this truth and his victory, Jesus appeared to Peter, the twelve, more than 500 brothers and sisters, James and all the apostles, and finally Paul. And we can ask, who are these men and women? What would it mean to them that Jesus appeared? Well, there's much we could say, but Peter, Cephas, most recently had denied Jesus. When Jesus was arrested and beaten and sentenced to death, Peter denied him. I don't know the man. I tell you, I don't know him. James, one of Jesus' brothers, was part of a concerned family that gathered around Jesus and fearfully asked, Jesus, are are you out of your mind? Jesus, don't you think this has been enough? Don't you think it's time to stop all of this? Mary and Martha two of the sisters, they stood side by side with Jesus as he wept. They all cried together outside the tomb of their brother, Lazarus. And Paul, the one who's writing this letter, was consumed with violence and hate, convinced that being right, being righteous meant killing or imprisoning those who disagreed with him. What does Jesus' appearance to these men and women mean? It proclaims, it means that there is something more than the human powers that nailed Jesus to the cross. It means that there is something more than greed and manipulation and injustice. It means that there is something more than our fears and our worries, something more than our denial and lies, something more than our past something more than our tears. There's something more than even death itself. In Russia, on Easter, in the Orthodox churches there, it is tradition to read from a fourth century sermon. Part of that sermon reads, O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? Christ is risen and you are overthrown. Christ is risen and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen and life reigns. Don't forget. Don't forget the hope of the gospel. Don't forget that God's grace is not in vain. 
For the one who has risen is the one who will bring forth new creation. The one in who we know that sin and death no longer has a final word in our life or in God's world. For if you are in Christ, then the new word is him and his grace for you. So let us not forget. Let us remember, let us rest upon, let us come back to over and over again. Not a set of ideas or morals, not a political agenda or social agenda. The gospel gives energy to these important things. But the very truth that we have to come back to and hold at our very heart is something different. But the one who created all things, the one who sees you fully, the one who knows you completely, has come to you. And has come to you and bared in himself your sin and hurt and brokenness, has bared in himself the violence of this world. But such things could not hold him, for Christ has overcome. Amen and hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the good word of Christ, the gospel that gives us hope, the gospel that does not rest on our partnership or our completion, but rests in your faithfulness and power and love. We give you thanks and let it be our hope today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. privilege on this Easter to celebrate communion together. I invite you to stand that we can join together in our our responsive reading of coming to the table. Let's join together. The Lord be with you. 
and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You may be seated. We all forget at times. We all need a reminding of who we are. And in God's grace, he gives us his word, but also in God's grace, he gives us this table, things that we can see, hold, and taste that remind us of who God is and the gospel. If you are a follower of Christ, then you are invited to come and participate in this table. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, then this table is a sign, a witness to say this is what Christ is like. For our place at the table is not based on what we have done or will do or how we have overcome. Our place at the table is based on God's actions for us in Christ. We see it clearly here that we were far off, we had forgotten, we didn't know who we were. But Christ did not leave us in our sin and misery, but pursued us in his love. Pursued us and through his broken body and shed blood, brings us home, takes his, our sin upon himself, takes our wounds upon himself. That we can sit here at the table as the sons and daughters of God's family. Our place secure not because of what we promised to do, but because of what God has done for us, facing our sin and death and overcoming it. This is the good news of this table. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are and for giving us this gift. We thank you that you are the creator of all, and we pray that you set apart these elements for a sacred and holy use, and that as our redeemer, our recreator, that you'd meet us. Lord, we are quick to forget, quick to chase after other voices, quick to chase after things that we think could answer questions. So Lord, remind us today by your word and by this bread and this cup, remind us of who you are and who we are in Christ. Meet us in our weariness and our forgetting. Meet us in our sin and our shame. Meet us with your grace and forgiveness. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you are participating in communion, either online or here, you can prepare the elements that were given to you. Does anybody who's participating in communion need one? Raise your hand if you need one of these. All right. You can go ahead and, and open those in preparation of our meal together. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would minister to us by your spirit, that you would remind us, that you would hold us. Lord, as we go forth, let us live as your sons and daughters. Let us rest in the work that you've done for us. Let us find hope in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in response to the table, please stand with me. We can join together, <clears throat> join together in responding to the table by confessing our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Standing in our place, Jesus suffered during his years on earth, especially in the tortures of the cross. He carried God's judgment on our sin. His sacrifice removed our guilt. God raised him from the dead. He walked out of the grave conqueror of sin and death, Lord of life. We are set right with God, given new life, and called to walk with him in freedom from sin's dominion. Amen. I receive God's blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. You may go in peace.